the Hello Meeples podcast, brought to you by no one in particular, with your hosts, Russell and Jennifer. Hello, Meeples. All right, so it's our first episode. Woo! Yay! I was about to say, come on. (laughs) Am I going to have to give me some woo girls? I'll find me some woo girls. Here, we're going to try it again. So I'm going to stop it. And we're going to, I'm going to play the music again, and we're going to try it again. Russell and Jennifer. Hello, Meeples. It's our first episode. Woo! That was a little better. All right. So um, we are back. It is Russell and Jen, your co-hosts, your couple board game team here. Uh, so this is, again, our first episode. So tell everybody that it's out. We have some high hopes for this show, hoping to eventually get some guests on here and uh, who knows, maybe even start a YouTube channel where we can play stuff. Uh, We want to get a website up. We can start sharing all the different stuff we play. I already have a crap ton of pictures of us playing board games. It's kind of a habit. Um, I started doing it and Jen was like, oh my God, don't get me in the photo. And now I'll see her pick up her phone. Yeah, I just take pictures of everybody else though. And we'll... (laughs) We like to share them now. That's just, it's kind of like our own little scrapbook that we got going. So, you know, it's uh, group games. Group games are great. It's awesome when you can get a group together. Yeah, but today is about us. It's <laughs> a, today is about me versus you and the, the two-player games where I really shine and really kick your butt. Yeah, except there's, I, picked, I purposely picked out at least one in here that you've never won at. I think maybe once. Maybe once you've won this particular game. But, um, yeah, so today we're talking about some great two-player games because it's always great when you can get a group together. I mean, obviously, it's it's awesome when you can get, you know, three, four, sometimes five or six people together and get a good, get a good uh, repetitive game group going. Um, but it seems like, you know, the last uh, year and a half, two years, that hasn't been a possible thing for a lot of people. And sometimes maybe you just have to get together with, you know, your roommate or significant other or spouse or someone. Um, and that's where we really, we really found our place um, Yeah, is playing games together, like great two-player games. Not games that are just for two players, although we have some of those here. Um, but we can really measure a game on how much it works for us by how often it can be played with two people. Uh, we're drawing our, like our, our daughter in a lot more our son and a lot more, our family and stuff. So we're trying to find, you know, any board game groups we can to get those bigger games in. But we really do play a lot of two-player stuff. Um, and we found some surprising ones, ones that we would look at and we'd never think in our entire life that we would like these. You know, it's almost like reading sometimes. You pick out a book and you're like, oh God, I got to do this book for this assignment. And you read this book and you're like, wow, that was actually pretty good. Uh, so that's what we found out with some of these games. Uh, and we have a bunch of games right here. All right. Like actually with us, all kinds of games down here. Those are some of the small ones that now hopefully don't have broken pieces. Um, yeah. And so a lot of these are actually from that collection. If you guys remember, uh, we. Episode well, zero. Yeah. Well, really you, honey, you went down to Sacramento and picked up um, a lot of board games. I think it was like two, 250 board games from um, a couple out of Sacramento. And so that's where we found a lot of these weird games that we would have never purchased. We would have never thought to buy, but 
um, we've been trying them one by one and they're a ton of fun. And I think, um, you know, I think this is, we should talk about pick and pack. Like this is one that we would have never thought about or, or even <laughs> really yeah. given a second look because it's all about a uh, apple factory. And, um, you're literally trying to, um, pack apples. <laughs> yeah. And the, the artwork is like really quaint. It's got like this rustic, you know, like, uh, if you've ever gone to a, a farm or, uh, an orchard and you've bought apples or like apple products from them, you know, it has kind of like that rustic charm. That's what, um, pick and packs artworks kind of like, cause it shows all the little, all the pieces. The board is basically has two conveyor belts on each side. Um, on two sides of the board and the pieces are different numbers of apples in little cardboard or not cardboard, but uh, um, um, wooden boxes that are being shipped for sale. And so other than like the, the big claw crane on the front of it, because that's essentially what you are is this crane. Um, and it's, this one is strictly two players can't go any higher. It's really quick. Like you can get it's, a game done in like 10, 15 minutes. It says it's a 20 minute game, but we go through it pretty quick. It is by Z-Man Games. I don't know if anybody. We have a lot of them. We have yeah. a lot of stuff from Z-Man. But this was a, this was definitely a surprising one. That's kind of fun. Um, you know, it, it's definitely one that, that, again, when you think about just <laughs> packing apples so that you can sell them, it doesn't sound like a great game but um it, it's kind of a fun quick one we've played it quite a few times yeah if you are looking for two-player games like for sure like check out pick and pack um it all works on you know like a let's, just, let's get some math in here which kind of sucks but whatever um like an x and y axis kind of thing like you one player is the red player one player is the blue player um and on your turn you can the blue player can go left to right on this grid board where all the apples start off on, um, they can go left to right with this little black movement piece and they move it and they take whichever apple they, uh, box of apples is, av is available on that left to right row. Um, and if they choose a blank space, you get to use these special tokens lined up on your conveyor belt, which will let you double the value of whatever stack of apples that you're taking or um, flip uh, a box of apples from your pile and the other player's pile um, and then on the red player's turn, they use the up and down axis. And so you literally move in straight shots around the board and you have to look out for that because if you're the blue player moving from, uh, up and down and you move and pick a, and pick a, like an apple box, you have to remember that wherever you land, you're going up and down the other player is going to go left to right. And so you're setting them up for what they get to pick next. And so there's like a lot of, there's like some good strategy here with it. Um, and the little tokens that let you do different things on your conveyor belt really throw a, a wrench in it and help you work out too. Um, so yeah, it's a great little game. Real yeah. quick. Yeah, I like the fact that um, it does have the strategy and you look forward and you try and see, okay, if I, if I go in this row, then... What is the, my opponent going to pick? And then if they, you know, depending on what they do, what does it open up for me? So I think, um, you know, it, it's a great little game. It's um, it not is, expensive. I wouldn't imagine. Well, I mean, it only cost me like a dollar, but um, I wouldn't imagine that it was it's it's real expensive. Um, real quick, real easy. It's a great, you know, it's a great two player game. And then on a completely different phase that has nothing but cards in it is this other little game we just played this one called motanai um yeah 
Uh, Jen had trouble with this one. I did. I don't know what it is, but it's like. This one, I think it's just the way that they have a couple things labeled. It's a really simple game. The mechanics, when you really break it down fundamentally, are very easy. I think it's the way that they set up the board that's right in front of you, like your player board. And some, like they use, they use the term, um, what is it, Uh, craft? And then craft bench. And for some reason, those just yeah. get them mixed up. So this is all like standard size cards. But then you have a slightly oversized card that is your board. The basic idea of Motani is you're a, you're a monk. And in your temple, you're trying to uh, craft things to sell in a gift shop to tourists. And so your board in front of you is this oversized card. And at the top of your board is your task. And every single card in this has uh like the uh, all the the task the craft bench the materials that it all like all of that is contained on the one card um all these all the the standard size cards and so you'll have like uh items for items that are made out of clay stone cloth metal and paper those are the five materials they each have their own color um so they're all the same uh the only thing that really changes on the card is the item itself so at the very top you have like I'm just looking at the back of the box here for references uh, there's a there's a dice set, uh, a go set, a kite, uh, a gong, and then a doll. All right, and so those are one from each one of those different uh, types of materials. Um, so the name of the item is different, and every single card in the deck is actually a different item. There's no repeats. Um, and the other thing that's different on all of them is the ability that the card will let you do if you craft this particular item. Uh, so the doll will let you move an opponent's task to become your own new task. You know, the gong. Uh, after a prayer action, you may draw three cards. If you do place this in your pickup area. So like each one of these cards also has a different thing. If you actually craft it, otherwise the other stuff on them is the same. So every, uh, paper card is also a clerk card. Every metal card is also a, um, a Smith card. Every cloth card is a tailor, every stone, a monk, every clay, a potter. And then they also have a matching number in the bottom right-hand corner uh, going from least complex, which is paper, at one, up to the most complex, which is metal and clay, um, at three. And those will stay the same on each color card, too. And so on your board, you have your task at the top, which is always the same depending on what card you pick. Your helpers on the left, which is always the same, because, again, clerk, uh, smith, tailor, monk, those are the same for each card. Um, Your craft bench, which is the bottom of the card, um, which is always the same because it's paper, metal, cloth, whatever. And then on the right of this oversized card are your sails. And those are always the same too. Cloth, stone, paper, stuff like that. And the whole idea is, is that the right side of your board is your gift shop and the left side is your gallery. And um, on your turn, you have to assign a task card that lets you do certain things. All right. And the bottom half is your craft bench, where your materials go, and you always get to keep those same materials. The right side is your sails, which will get you points at the end of the game if those sails are covered. And then the left side is your helpers, because the monk, the tailor, all of that's on the left side of that standard size card. Um, they will let you take extra actions if your task matches the same color, because again, like uh, cloth is always going to be a tailor. A stone is always going to be a monk. So if you play a stone card for your action, for your task, rather, you'll get extra actions if you have a monk helper. And so when you craft one of these items, you're, you're basically the way it kind of explains it is that 
um, you when you craft a work, you set it apart from like your board because these are done. If you put them in the gift shop, they'll give extra actions to your helper. If you put them in the, uh, or sorry, the gift shop is where you sell them. If you put them in the gallery, which is the left side of your board, it works with your helper um, because it is like inspiring your helpers. You know, they're getting to see these works and take inspiration from them. So you get more actions based off of that. Uh, so if you have a work on the left side of your board, again, going with the stone and monk example, you play the monk stone card as your task. Not only do you get an extra action for having a monk helper if you have one down there on your helper side, but if you have a work in your gallery, you get an additional action on top of that. And then on your sales side, um, if you have works in your gift shop, this is basically what you have available to sell. And so like your your clerk cards, their action basically lets you sell from your material at the bottom of your card to the right-hand side of your, um, to your sales. And that's basically the clerk going, oh yeah, look at these materials we have available. I made a sale boss um, with, this, uh, with this stone here. We, we sold whatever stone work you have over here and it covers so many sales based on the number on the bottom. This is how many of those items you have for sale, basically. Um, that may have sounded a little overcomplicated, but really when you look at it, it's not when you get going. But there's a couple of key words that you have to separate in this or otherwise you can get thrown off. And I think that was I think that was your problem. Well, I, it, I actually think it's just the setup of the the I mean, I, really, this is kind of your store, right? Your center little piece that indicates what's a helper versus what's a sale versus your craft bench versus your task. I think it's that setup. Um, it's not a complex game, but I think that, that that game design there, I think it's a little flawed in that they um, probably could have designed that just a little bit better because, I mean, gosh, even when you craft something, you're having to set it like completely off to the side, but you're still using it. And um, it just, I think that there could have been a better way to actually have the setup in front of you, but it's. Not a complex game. Flawed. Shots fired. Yeah. She's calling out the makers. <laughs> well, they said this... that they said that there's a lot in there that like, when you read this, it'll sound complex because of the way the different actions work together. But once you've played a few rounds, they're like, you know, then you'll you'll get it. Like the book even says that. Um, after one actual playthrough, I was like, okay, I get it. I understand this. Yeah. Um, the crafting versus the craft bench just that that logic just kind of kept getting me, even though the last time I definitely really killed it. I'm just going to give myself props there. And you had no idea what you were doing <laughs> and still beat me by like 15 points, which is not like a small spread. But they, uh, this, what's neat about this is this could be a two to three player. We've only played it two player. Um, I think it'd be kind of interesting to get a third player and see how that dynamic fits in. Yeah, because that's, that's right. One of the other things about this game is that you both put tasks down. And you, as on your turn, will take both tasks played by both you and your opponent or opponents. So if you have three players, you're going to do all three tasks. And you do their task first. So it kind of, it's a different little mechanic there. Yeah, and this is another one that's kind of a quick game. So it's nice, like, you know, for us, we sit down, you know, in the evening uh, after a long day of work and we just want to decompress, spend some time together. This is another good one that I think was good for us to just, you yeah. know. It's not taking up all evening. It's not cutting into dinner or bedtime or anything like that. Um, it wasn't one of my favorites, but it's definitely one that I'll, I'll see us playing more. Yeah. Um, another one we tried. We only played this one once, and I'd like to try it again because you and your, <laughs> your bullshit with, like, 
So th- anyway, <laughs> so this game is called Hero versus Guardian, a game of Dungeon Craft. And this is a dungeon delver. Um, so if you know any like a, a fantasy style game where you work your way through a dungeon, uh, so it's kind of like a, a simplified version of Descent, which is like a simplified version of Gloomhaven, which is like a simplified version of D&D and Pathfinder. Um, okay, that you are really taking a stretch there. This is just a simple little fun weird, dungeon game. Weird flex, but okay. Yeah, it's a simple little dungeon delver because it has nothing but cards too and, and like a few tokens. So there's not you know a lot in here. And this is two to four players. Um, you can tell they intended for this to be two because definitely. it's, you know, hero versus guardian. It's definitely, I think it would be wonky if it was more than two players. I can see where it would work. I'd still be interested in trying it um, because one person plays, obviously, the hero who's working their way through the dungeon. And the guardian is the controller of the dungeon. Um, and so the guardian gets a certain set of cards and you lay them out in a four by four grid uh, and you mark the two entrances and then the main goal room, which is the treasure room. And then the hero um, has a certain number of hero cards and they send these heroes into the dungeon um, and they have to roll dice as their heroes encounter the cards. And each hero is kind of set up with better dice rolls for better things. So like a cleric, will have uh, better control, uh, better dice bonuses against evil cards. So if they run into a card that has like the evil keyword. Um, and wizards have better dice roll chances against something that's magic and stuff like that. And the hero gets various items. Uh, the, the guardian gets various other dungeon cards and they can stack cards on top of each other to make certain rooms harder. Um, so it's neat. It's simple. I love like fantasy dungeon adventures and stuff like that. So this <laughs> one, I, I liked it. It has kind of like quirky little... Um, cartoonish artwork, which is fun. Um, there's some rooms in here that are like, like I like the idea that the dungeon, uh, the guardian gets to, I keep wanting to say dungeon master. Um, the guardian gets to add cards onto it because your basic starting cards are usually like either vacant rooms or like evil rooms or something like that. And you get so many vacant rooms that the hero automatically succeeds at. Um, but any adjacent rooms, like they get a penalty towards when they go like that, but they automatically succeed on the vacant rooms. And the first, the one time we played this, Jen like walked through every <laughs> every vacant room I had. Like she just literally trailed this zigzag path. Like she didn't know, you didn't see, you didn't know what I was doing. No, I didn't. But and I was like, what the hell is this? <laughs> like you literally walked through everything. Like I I still wound up hurting her a little bit because after that it was just all the rooms that she had to actually roll against. But she'd uncovered half the dungeon at that point, and so I couldn't block anything off because you can also switch around as the guardian. You can uh, rebuild your dungeon on your turn. Yeah, the one thing that I will say, I naturally roll high, so I think that's another reason why I did I naturally well. roll high. Oh, shush. <laughs> so, um, but in this game, it's really hard. You have to get like a six, a six out of six, or a five out of six off, you know, to be able to succeed in a lot of this game. And so But you have to play towards hard. your card's strengths because you don't have to roll an unmodified five or six. You get bonuses based on cards you have in your hand or what your adventurer is. Again, like a mage has like a plus three, you yeah. know, on that roll when it comes to magic rooms. But that wasn't my strategy. My no. strategy was to go fast, hit hard, your strategy, get in, get out. <laughs> your strategy was to fumble fuck your way through my dungeon. <laughs> And it and worked. It was like a Monty, very well. It was like a Monty Python on their luckiest day trekking through it. Very, very well. You can't be so, upset with that. So this one we really like. Oh, yeah. We talked about this in our episode zero, the um, game Cold War CIA versus 
KGB. Um, this is a really interesting one. I really, um, this is one that's strictly two players. They said 30 to 60 minutes, but I don't think we ever took 30 to 60 minutes. I think I beat you in under 30 No, I'm minutes. pretty sure I won a couple of these. You did not win I, any. Yeah, I did. Nope. I won a couple of these, and I won them on, like, quick last-turn shenanigans. Okay, honey. I will let you have that one if it helps you feel better. But, um, yeah, this is another one that's strictly two-player. Like, there's no way for it to be. CIA versus KGB. Yeah. Um, they say it's 14-plus. I don't see why, because 14-plus is... About as high as it gets when it comes to complexity in games. This isn't complex and at all. It's not. It's actually like there is so much. I'm going to open this one. There's so much tactical depth in this for what, how little is in this box. It's another one that's just cards. Um, and then there's a couple of tokens to track like whose turn it is and like what your score is. But that's it. Otherwise, it's all cards. And you're basically, you have your, every uh, both players have the same operatives. Um, they're, they're called the same things. Um, let's see, what were they here? There's, uh, you, everyone has a deputy director, an analyst, a master spy, a director, a double agent, and an assassin. And so both players have this, <laughs> and each card has the same effect. It just does a certain thing. Some will let you look at what the other player plans on playing. Some will let you uh, switch a card that's out or something. Like, they have the same thing, and it's like that's your short term, like you're, you're kind of guessing what you're going to need to do coming up. Because you're trying to get a certain number of points based on these locations because you're trying to sway countries and, and, and influences to your side. So, you know, like the cards you're trying to earn are like Panama, Turkey, Iran, Cuba, Chile, Korea, um, the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, these are all countries. Olympic Games, Summit Meeting. These are things that will earn you points and stuff like that because you're gaining the influence or control over these things. And the way you do this is one of these cards is going to come out and then you start flipping cards, um, and they're all different values, but the same type. So you have rate, you have media cards, which are blue, uh, military cards, which are green, uh, economic. E economic cards, yeah, which are yellow, and then the purple ones were what are the purple ones? Can't remember. They're political, political cards. Um, and so basically those are the things you use, they use during the Cold War, you know, to to gain influence, you know, politics, economy, military, and they all have different values. And each one of these, like the values will change. So like a strength one military card is guerrillas, a strength three military card are mercenaries, a strength five is infantry. So they do like a logical step up too, like on the picture and name, although it's just the number is what counts. And then, you know, the same thing for uh, the economics, like a strength five is oil tycoons on the economics and a strength one on the economics are workers, you know, um, and each one of these, like you're going to flip one on your turn and decide if you want to keep it or discard it because there's a, a, a number cap on each one of these. So like uh, one of the countries may have a, a, a number cap of nine. So like Panama has, you're trying to get to the number nine, but you can only have five um, cards, cards on your side. represented. So let's just say that I drew a, a four or two fives. Um, so I'm over the number nine. Well, on that two cards, I could potentially keep going and try and get one that will allow me to remove a card so that I can try and get closer yeah. to the number nine. So there's a lot of good strategy, I think, in this. There's some heavy, heavy be, depth in this, which is like, this is a good game. That might be why it's um, 14, but... 
Honestly, our daughter, I think, could play this very easily. easily. But she's strategically minded like you, and it sucks. So She is very strategically minded. But this is a great one. So uh, Cold War, CIA versus KGB uh, for two players. Uh, this is Fantasy Flight, too. Huh, look at that. Um, so you can probably definitely still find this one. But this is a great, I really like this one Yeah. for what it is. Yeah. So, ooh, here's a meatier one. Yeah. So I have a couple of these here. We're totally going to do a comparison episode on this one in another game. But Memoir 44. Yeah. Jen one. likes this one, surprisingly. I do. I really like this one. I, I'm i kind of a history buff. I like history a lot. And I like how this, um, I mean, it is. It's actual scenarios. That's why you like nations so much, huh? Yeah. And civilization. Yeah. Well, I, yeah. But, um. This is this is heavy strategy, um, and it's pretty dang hard. Um, I always play. You played the Germans the last few times. I've yeah. been the, uh, the Americans. I don't think I've ever played the Americans. I, I think, think I'm. You have either. I think I'm always playing the Germans. So the I next like time you be. play this, we'll have to play that around. So this one is a uh, for you know being a military war game though. There's it doesn't have a ton of units. I mean you're limited to basically infantry, um, tanks, and artillery. I believe. And then you have, uh, you know, some barbed wire. Uh, you have uh, your barbed wire tra your, your barbed wire and tank traps. Uh, you have your cities and forest tiles and stuff like that. Um, and you're basically, each battle in this book is based off of one out of history. Um, uh, out of World War II. They kind of set it up as, as close of approximation as they could, you know, with the pieces available. And, I mean, sometimes the odds are really stacked against one side. And you really yeah. have to use... What is at your, um, you know, the what you have on hand to the best of your ability to try to win? The last one we played was heavily stacked against you. Yeah. Um, I can't remember what mission it was because we haven't played this in a while. But this is another one that uh, is for, what it's, was this? It's eight. It says two to eight. How do you have eight players in this? Well, it says a team. It's a team play. But ah. this says that it's ages eight plus. I will give it to them. It's not hard mechanically. But this is a, I feel like this is actually one of our heavier strategic games. Like that last one where it was stacked against me, I felt like I really had to think through like what are my next three, four plays and really think ahead to be able to come out That's on That's how top. you think, period. This yeah. isn't one of our heaviest games. No, but It's it, one of the meatiest ones we've talked about this episode. Well, I, I think that this one you really have to think ahead. You cannot just think one step. You have to be four to five and then also thinking about like what is your opponent going to do? And if they do this, then I'm going this route. This one also says 30 to 60 minutes, but I think that this is always closer to 60 yeah, minutes. This one's us. on the uh, this one's on the higher end, I feel too. Oh. But it probably depends on the mission. Some of them are smaller. If you some of them are bigger. If you play with somebody who gets analysis paralysis, this is not a good game. Yeah, this will take forever with someone like that. Yeah, because even I can take some time to think through. But again, that's usually why I'm three, four, five steps ahead. The dice are neat, though. It's not just like, you know, the one, two, three, four, five, six, you know, pip dice. It has the symbols for like, you know, a, a straight up miss or, you know, a, a, a hit. Or then there's uh, like a kind of a strategic role where it's like you didn't miss or you didn't hit, but, you know, you're not going to like just completely fail here. Like the dice do some different things, too, which is cool. Yeah, this is a good solid game, though. This is one um, that that when we have some time, we really like to play. Um, this one, this one's a good one though for, yeah. um, for two players. We'll have to save that one for history class. Oh, you want to do this one next, huh? 
<laughs> Jen's been wanting to play this one for a little bit. Um, and I haven't, we haven't gotten around to getting it out on the table. We played it a couple of times. Um, but just one of the many Star Wars games I have. We have a couple of miniatures here, and these are so cool. We want to talk about, like, bank breakers. Um, we, uh, Armada, it, we, don't, we don't actually have the, the Star Wars X-Wing miniatures game, which is apparently the more popular one. I like Armada. I like the capital ships and the bigger stuff. You know, the pew, 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 <laughs> pew, pew. Um, so I like the bigger ships and like the fleets and stuff, which is Armada. This is a long game, though. That's it why is, we don't play it very often. It also depends on the size of the mission. Like you can do like this and a few small ships and get like a quick game in. I set us up for bigger games. Jen doesn't like deck building. No. You don't like deck building or nope. fleet building or squad nope. building or anything like that. I set them up. You play with whatever we play. Yep. Still somehow winds up winning. <laughs> um, I I try to set them up to where, you know. No, you could easily cheat because I have you do all of the deck building. You could easily stack it in your favor and you don't. I don't. And, you know, it's, <laughs> I I try to set up like when, I, when we do this and we do the card games and the the deck building games and stuff like that. I try to make it to where the forces are complementary or maybe thematic or something. Um, and, and just like, you know, we pick one and go and yeah, it still, it doesn't matter. This game, you have to have a lot of space. This takes up our whole, whole table, whole table, whole yeah. dining room table. And like, sometimes we'll have such a big um, area that we're playing against or off of, like you literally have to get up out of your seat and go to the other. It looks so cool though. It, it is. It and it's just, and it's fun. You got to move around like this is a this is a fun like take up some space, yeah. move around, you know. But then again, Jen hasn't played Warhammer yet. Not that's the same way. Not uh, complex. Uh, this at all. one's this one's got some complexity to it, mostly because of all the pieces and stuff. But... Just the pieces, but it's not <laughs> complex. It's um, it's pretty straight straightforward. Kill the other person. Yeah, and it's just like you know, each ship has its own dice, its own shields. Um, you each one will get a set of cards for like its own abilities, and that's where you know a lot of the complexity stuff comes into play because uh, the the two ships I have in front of me here are a victory class star destroyer, um, which is not the one from the movies or anything. That's an <laughs> imperial class star destroyer, if we're going to be specific, which I also have one of those. Oh my gosh! Um, and you and your Star Wars high the, horse, the the Nadiri Starhawk, which is a super cool rebel ship. You haven't got to use this one yet. Um, is, oh, is that one of my ships? That's one of your ships. Oh, when so, did we get that? Um, it was, I mean, a, well, back when we were playing this, because we haven't been able to get this on the table for a bit, um, but we haven't played since I got this for you. So oh. this is the equivalent to basically an Imperial Star Destroyer. It's, it's, one, like of the, a, it's one of the big rebel ships. Although I do also like have... It's <laughs> um, And so these are like, you know, two of the, the bigger ships. And this is, this is a pricier game, too. Um, like yeah. this, this Starhawk is like 70 bucks or something like that for like one of the, like, it's one of the bigger ships you can get for it. One of the biggest. Oh um, no. That one. Well, yeah. The super star destroyer, which like is that. an awesome piece. <laughs> um, and it's like $200. I kept the box for that too. Cause I'm like, this is a Ooh. cool freaking piece. You have to tell them about like, Oh, I will. I will. Don't worry. I'm getting there. Yeah. I'm getting there. So the, the Imperial Star Destroyer or the Super Star Destroyer is probably like two feet long. And we've played with it a couple of times. It's super fun to play with, but really hard to move. Because really uh, one of the things beat. about this game is like you can't just move the pieces and turn them. To take into account the, the fact that these large ships don't just turn on a dime. 
you know, just like ships at uh, large ships at sea, they they take time to turn. Uh, and where you have like your small squadrons, like your X wings, Y wings, uh, Tie interceptors, Tie fighters, yeah, those can turn on a dime because they're like the smaller ones. You can move them all over the place. Um, but these bigger ships, there's a click dial uh, that looks like a long ruler with uh, like a bunch of knuckles on it, and it it clicks to allow for like these bigger ships and stuff like that, like you know, doing these slow ponderous turns. You can um, easily go off the map very you easily. You don't think ahead, and you run out of room, and, and then that's you're just part stuck. of it. Yeah, because if you go off the board with one of them, uh, you lose that ship. There's no reverse. Um, yeah, there is no reverse. <laughs> um, you cannot flip that star destroyer <laughs> no. into reverse. And the super star destroyer, like let's just let's face it, like you just move that thing slowly along the board and just try to beat the shit out of whoever is coming near it. Yes. Uh, because it is huge. And it is and so it, hard to kill. It looks amazing. It is hard to kill, but that was like one of three ships I had during that game. Like everything was in the Star Destroyer and then like some TIE Fighters and like a small ship or something. I think I lost that game when you had No, that you beat me. Like I? you eventually wore me down because I was like, I don't know what the hell to do with this thing <laughs> um, when we were just playing around with it. Um, but this is, a, it's a fun game. It's another one that like, you know, you can get all kinds of people playing if you want. But it yeah. really is, you know, like Rebel versus Empire or with the new Clone Wars sets that they've launched. It's, you know, the um, Republic versus Separatists. Um, but this is one that, like, if you got the money, I mean, you, you'll have everything you want in the starter box. But they start you out very limited. You get this particular uh, smaller Star Destroyer um, and some TIE Fighters and stuff for the Empire. And then you get some smaller, like the small, small Rebel ships. Um yeah, a but the, Corellian Corvette and a Nebulon B frigate and then some X-Wings and Y-Wings. And that's all you get in the starter box, which is enough to play with. You know, you're good to go. But once you see these models, you're like, oh, my God, I want yeah. more of these. These are so cool. The expansions are what make it really fun. And if I take – if Jen comes into a store, if you come into a store and you're looking at these going, I want those, then you know this is a cool setup. Yeah. Um. I think you need to tell about our wonderful pup so and we, your superstar destroyer. Yeah, so I got the superstar destroyer. I was like super excited, and I was like, "Now nah, this is so cool." Um, and I'm putting it together. I'm looking at it and everything, and I I have it uh, sitting out, and it was, it was I actually put it in our closet um, because each of these they come with a model, they come with a plastic uh, flight stand, you know, to make them you know look like they're floating. And then like their plastic base and then a kind of like high, uh, high density, like high quality cardboard card that you can flip over because you'll usually get like two different variations of that ship. A more expensive, like for in terms of like building your army points, a more expensive and a less expensive version. Um, the Superstar Destroyer, you actually get two of those cards. So you have four variants of it because you're paying freaking $200. So, of course, you're going to get options. Um, and so we're. We're sitting here with this, uh, I'm sitting here with just this, like, this awesome-ass ship that has, like, two bases for it because it's so big. Uh, and I put it in our closet because I'm like, okay, I'm going to keep this thing in here. Well, the door was cracked. I happened to have fallen asleep. Um, I, like, wound up taking a nap or something. And our puppy got into the closet. And I was like, oh, no. Like, I woke up and I knew so I sensed something in the force. I knew <laughs> something was wrong. And so I walked into the closet, and she chewed up the plastic base. Yeah. She's a sweet and dog, but she is a bad dog. She, she didn't get the model, thank God, or even, like, the card, but she got the plastic base. 
I am a game snob, and I take really good care of my games. I don't think it could and stand with the way that she did it. It was it. It, she could. That's how we played with it because um, it was a little wobbly, um, because she'd gotten like one corner and like a, some of the edge of it, and I had to like go find another base for it. Uh, she did that with another game, and it's like the company didn't like make replacement parts for this game. Um, and when we wind up reviewing that game, like I'll tell that story then. But I just went out like I I just went out and bought another version of the game, <laughs> and like gave the other version to a friend and I was like look this one piece is like chewed the hell out of but you know here's like a hundred dollar game for you if you don't mind this chewed up piece yeah I was really upfront about it so she's she she has a co-conspirator our cat we can't leave games out yeah the cat knocked the piece off the table and she chewed it up that's what happened she you know and we've had that happen on a couple of like multiple times we're gonna have to invest in a board game table just because we can't play longer games because we can't leave them out. Like we have no, we'd have no problem playing big, like epic games that have to stay up, if we knew that the cat wouldn't fricking ruin them on the table. Well, Which, let's be really clear: the cat doesn't ruin them. She knocks them off. She chews on them too. I found gone. chewed on cat pieces. Oh yeah, they're bad. They're bad. The problem so, is, is that they need to be about ten years old, not like one to two years old. Yeah, they're just young so, animals. Armada just, expensive. It is a pricier game, but it is if you got the money, it's it's well worth it. It's great. Um, so another one here. We should put them in our reads. Oh, we should do that one, huh? Okay. So we have another one here. This one I like this one because Jen sucks at this one. Yeah, I don't. This, I don't win. this is one called Summoner Wars. Um, I think they actually have the second edition of this out now. Um, yeah. But we have the the like the first edition, um, and I bought some expansion packs. I found them for like on. Um, an online store they were they were on uh clearance and they were like two dollars a pack so i bought like a bunch of the expansion packs for this this is basically chess with like fantasy cards i mean it's really what it's like or in i mean you have your board is just a grid it has kind of like a little bit larger than uh standard size cards that go in landscape format um, and each deck is like a certain faction and they have tons of different factions and they all have like different uh, focuses of play and like the way that they work and everything. Um, and this game is just, you know, like this is literally two players unless you want to, they say, if you want to play with more to get another board, connect them and play two separate games. So it's like, okay, so, Hey, come over friends and let's play a game like completely separate from each other at the same table, basically. Yeah. yeah this um, is definitely two player. They like, say 30 to 60 minutes, but it's like the worst version of swinging like ever. I feel like this one's typically closer to 30 minutes. This yeah. isn't a real It's not real long. long. Um, it's not overly complicated. It's just getting kind of getting to know the factions and how they work together. Because um, you really need to know like some, like how the faction works in order to win, which is, I think, Jen's problem. Um, that might be. I don't know. I don't know why this game. Um, but she cannot. You cannot win at this game. You, I, I think you've won once or twice out of all the times we played this. Yeah. And it's really just, you know, you you move, you attack, you draw cards, and then you discard because you're you pay for your units with cards, basically magic points, which are the cards out of your hand. Um, but the turn before you can discard cards to create a magic pool. So you have to like balance the economy of your cards and stuff, because it's like, what do you want to play versus what do you want to get rid of in order to uh throw cards down? And so other than that, like you're moving, you're attacking, you're trying to kill the other person's summoner because you have a summoner, you have common cards, and you have champions. 
Um, and then you have your, uh, like your spell cards, your ability cards that do different things. Um, and you just, you move them around, you get them within strike range of each other and you attack and that's it. And then the first person that'll lose their summoner, uh, or the first person to take out the other person's summoner is the winner. It's really straightforward. Um, but you just can't seem to get a handle on this one. Well, again, I think it's just what each faction does. I don't know. I don't know. I can come up with all kinds of excuses, but um, I don't know. This one's just... I think it's a great game. It's not It's not overly expensive. It's easy, super easy to learn, super easy rules. Um, but yeah, if the, the the mistress of tactics can't somehow beat me at it, that's got something to say for it. Um, so uh, there's two here that are really big ones for us, like some of our absolute favorites and ones that have seen a lot of play yeah. in our in our uh, in our get up. One of these is Imperial Settlers. Oh, this is um, this is one of our all time favorites. This game has seen a lot of play in our house. Um, our friends actually introduced us to this game. They're like, we're we can guarantee you're going to like this game. Um, and guess what? We loved this game and we wound up buying it for ourselves because this is just a great game for two people. It can go yeah. up to four um, uh, easily, but I mean, it works so well with just two. And it, But it works really well with, I mean, honestly, it works well. Three, four, like yeah. it works well all the way around, but it's like you don't, sometimes when you have a game meant for two that goes up, like it kind of loses some of its um quality if you have games that are meant for three four or five and you get down to two it loses some of its quality imperial doesn't. settlers just works well no matter how many you're playing it it works awesome with two players you're not necessarily attacking each other and trying to mess with each other but you can um because you can try to knock cards off of their side of the board uh you basically like just like a lot of civilization type games which i absolutely love i love civ builders and stuff uh, it, it comes with, I think, four or five civilizations in here, like the Greeks, Romans, barbarians, and Egyptians, and the Japanese. Uh, so not the Greeks and Romans. It says the Romans, barbarians, Egyptians, and Japanese. Um, and then we bought the Aztecs and uh, Amazon's expansions for it. Did you know that this could be played as a single player? Yeah. Have you tried that? No, I have not tried the single player. That would be kind of curious. I'd be curious to see if it works because it works so well from two to four players pretty seamlessly. I'd be curious to see if it worked yeah. for, for a single player. This is another one that has like just a colorful, like fun art style. I'm um, not allowed to play the Egyptians because no. I Jen, go Jen, around the, the map like three times on the points. Jen kicks my ass in this game every time. And our daughter is good at this one now too. Like she, she she's, it's her and the Japanese. Like she destroys when she plays the Japanese. Yeah, she's getting pretty um, good. I like to play this game because I like Civ Builders, and apparently I'm a masochist who likes losing. So, yeah. Um, but it's like you draw from your common deck, and then there's also your specific civilization deck. You build out your cards. You try to earn points. Um, one of the things we always did wrong, and we finally fixed it, although we played this game so much that we played it wrong every single time, is you're trying to earn victory points, and every card is worth uh, one or two points. And that's like the most you can really get at any time is like one or two for something, you know, like it's, uh, you really have to build well, up. Unless there. you have modifiers. Um, like I've gotten it where you can get quite a few. You know, there's points. a camp. There's like a couple of cards in here for each civilization. If you get that card, that'll give you something uh, big, but um, common cards are worth one victory point and your specific civilization cards for you are worth two victory points. 
The key point, point is, is that was always at the end of the game. Whatever is on the board, you count those up and get those points too. We were playing it to where when you built the card, you were getting the points. And so we were, sometimes we would shuffle out cards to try to get those extra points, not knowing that you don't get those points until the end of the game and you total up all the cards that you have on the board and you get those as extra points. Yeah. So, um, but this is another one that is absolutely amazing. Um, yeah, this is, this is definitely... We play this game so much. This is definitely, I would say... Probably one of our, our go-to favorites for like, okay, we've got time for kind of a date night or something. We're going to yeah. spend a little bit more time with Ooh. each other. It's not it's not a quick, I mean, it's not a long game, but it's not a quick run through. You know, it lets us spend some time together. Well, we're the, we played it so much. It's like, we can play games really quick. Um, we have one more here. One more that is another one that we have played so many times. Um it is one of Jen's personal favorites, too. Yeah. Uh, it's called Suburbia. And this is, like, the closest to SimCity the game I feel like you're going to get. They have a bunch of different city builders. But this one just really is so great. Like, we had the original version, of, uh, like a smaller box. And we wore it down. And, yeah, we played it a lot. And then I wound up getting as a gift the collector's edition, which is, like, this big old box. Yeah. Uh, but it has this tower that makes the bringing the tiles out really neat because you have like this, uh, just like the way, um, what is it, uh, real estate works. It's like the longer something sits on the market, the cheaper it gets. So suburbia has that to where tiles will shuffle their way down and out. And the longer a tile is out, the cheaper it gets to build. And so you may drop this expensive tile like a high-end airport or a casino or something. Uh, that's super expensive to build, and you'll wind up waiting, hoping that your opponent doesn't grab it um, yeah. before you get a chance to. And you really, with this one, what I like about it is it really does take into account a lot of, like, um, you know, just the structure and zoning for cities. Like, you don't want to have a dump right next to a residential area. Like, yeah, and you have the typical, like, SimCity-style, like, residential, commercial and yeah. industrial, green, blue, and yellow, with uh, government buildings added in. This is um, one that they say you can play with more than two. We've tried it, and we did not like this. It feels a little clunky with more than two, because even though you're not trying to do things to negatively affect someone else's uh, bureau, because that's what you're doing, is you're not creating necessarily a city, but that's why it's suburbia. You're, you're in charge of a bureau. Um, each person is in charge of a bureau trying to make them the most populated and cost-effective at the same time. Um, and as you go up on the point board, you'll cross these lines to where you'll wind up losing income and gaining uh, like a, a lack of, not credibility, but like a lack of, uh, I can't remember reputation. what the game is, reputation, because that comes with someplace getting big. You know, the bigger your city gets, um, the more it costs to maintain it and the more, you know, crime and, and unemployment and stuff move in. And so you lose those as you get further and further up, like the population board and stuff um, and the points board. So, but yeah, like there's, there's certain things, you know, like if the, the tile will say that it will give you so much money, you know, for playing it down, but then will cost you reputation for every industrial area next to it. If it's like a, you know, a green residential tile, uh, commercial tiles tend to be great buffers um, because that's what they are. Sometimes they'll give you bonuses like being next to things, certain things. Um, 
<clears throat> will give you because again, like nobody wants to live near it, like the airports. Um, don't tend to do well with other stuff next to them unless I think they're technically uh, commercial stuff you can build next to them. Um, and so you really have to look at your placement. You have to balance out your money and your, cause you can be way up and get like this huge run on the points, but it's like you moved up all these points, but you cross like five red lines. So now you've lost like a ton of like repeating income and reputation because you grew so fast. And so you have to watch out for that. Yeah. Um, this is, this is another one that I just, I absolutely love, but again, this is not one that I, I personally like with multiple players that's right i I totally got on a tangent huh the whole reason that it's hard with more than two players is because there are tiles in here that interact with all other tiles on the board so like the fine dining restaurant you know you get so much money for that one every turn but you it gets less and less for every other fine dining restaurant on the board even in your opponent's bureau yeah that might have been part of it but I don't know. I don't know. I think some of it is because of just how long the game takes when you start adding um, a this lot of people. This can get lengthy if it you can. have like a lot of people in there. But I, I just feel like it works best for two. And um, this is another one that's kind of a, a great date game. Like we have a date night. We've got, we know we have a little bit more time, not, you know, more time than 30 minutes or even an hour. And we'll sit down and play this. Yeah. This is another good one. Um, and then, God, we brought in a bunch that we didn't even get to because uh, there's, again, there's a ton of great games here. We had, what was it, Tiny Epic Dinosaurs that we didn't get to talk about, although we will. We're going to have like a whole episode dedicated to Tiny Epics because um, those are, we have a lot of those and those are great. We had Flip City, which is another quick, simple one. We had Cavemen, The Search for Fire, which was a total surprise. Yeah, that one was um, a lot of fun. So we'll have to talk about that one at some point. Um, but. We're at the end of what was of our first episode. I was delayed. Uh, yeah, <laughs> what, really, that was pathetic. Um, so we hope you enjoyed our conversation. Hope you got some new games to go try. Uh, yeah. Some good recommendations. We're gonna come back. I think our next one we're going to do. We're in October, um, so the next one's gonna be all zombies. Yeah. All zombies all the time. We got a lot of zombie games. Yeah, um, our and daughter our, loves zombie games. Yeah. We may have to bring her in on. One of the discussions, she just loves zombies. <laughs> and there's, and I know a lot of you do too, um, but we have so many, so many zombie games. We have some good ones. We have some that are eh, um, but I still have them because I don't get rid of board games. Um, I even keep the, you We've know. rotated out some of them. There's a few that we've, not a whole lot. Um, the ones that we do have, we don't get rid of are because other people like them. Yeah. Um, like one we're going to talk about in this next episode. Uh, so yeah, come back for zombies on the next one on our next episode, and thank you for joining in with Hello Meeples. Bye everybody. Bye. The Hello Meeples podcast. That's all for now.